Stand with me as you turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 1, and we'll read nine verses, and later on tonight we'll read the rest of the chapter. But if we can, we'll read the first few verses here in chapter 8. And uh, we're going to look at First and Second Samuel tonight a little bit, and, but we'll be in this chapter uh, for the evening. It says in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, and I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me, and served other gods, and so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this, this book that we're about to study tonight. We thank you for all of the scripture that we hold tonight, but specifically this one we'll visit tonight. And I, I pray that as we look to your word, that you would speak to our heart. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It was given by the Holy Spirit of God. And I know that same Holy Spirit lives in the heart of each of us that know Christ. And I pray that our hearts would be stirred by your word tonight, and that our minds and hearts would be open to what you have for us this evening. Lord, I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, two, two books uh, that we will look at tonight. Really, originally they were one. If you're to look back far enough to the, in the Jewish Bible of the day, it was one book. Later to be divided into two. Matter of fact, First and Second Kings were one book. First and Second Samuel were one. But they would be divided later. And in the, the Latin Vulgate, they were actually First, Second, Third, and Fourth Kings. And yet we would divide them the way they are today. And this book is a little bit of a book of, of transition uh, somewhat. And it's, it's much like in terms of the book of Acts in the New Testament. When you turn to the book of Acts, it's a, it's a transition, isn't it, from some of the Old Testament into the church age. And we watch all of that unfold. I'm thankful for the day in which I live. And growing up, I used to read these books. And, you know, some of the first places that I would read, and uh, as my dad would have us read our Bibles, was in these chapters of First and Second Samuel. And I've taken that same habit with my children. And as, they, as they're learning to read their Bible, I'll put them to some of the passages of Scripture with stories because they catch your attention. And uh, as you read some of those stories and, and, uh, and uh, some amazing stories there, and I thought, boy, I would have loved to have lived back there with David. And then I read a little bit further, and I'm thinking, I'm so glad I don't live back there with David. I'm thankful for the day in which I live. But, but it was a book of transition, uh, the book of Judges, that period of 400 years of Judges rising and, and then people of Israel sending that back and forth and back and forth and they would serve God for a time and then they would fall away from God and God would have to send them into captivity. It was a, seemed to be an endless cycle of some 400 years and the book of Samuel is a transition from that into the kingdom that, uh, of what Israel would be. First and second Samuel are kind of that, that transition. They, they give us a little glimpse of, of that taking place. 
I think of this book, and, and I'm reminded of just incredible stories. Uh, the, the book of 1 Samuel begins with an incredible story. Hannah is without a child, and she goes and she calls to the, upon the Lord, and the Lord would give her that son Samuel and all that would take place there. We read the stories of the rise and fall of Saul and uh, some horrible choices that he made. I, I think of when Samuel would tell him that, that God, I'll have to paraphrase here, but uh, God would rather have obedience than sacrifice. He said the Lord would rather have you just obey him than, than make some great sacrifices. And we see Paul, Saul rise and fall. And uh, we, see, uh, we see David and Goliath in, in the book of Sam, in those books. And talk about a story. Every, every child that grew up in church has heard that one. And, and we as adults have heard it. So it's a tr- tremendous story. We have books like um, God's Covenant, stories of God's covenant with David. I, I think of David and Bathsheba and David's fall. And as at a time when kings went forth to battle, David stayed home. And that verse has always stuck in my mind that if Daniel had just been where he should have been, he could have avoided a lot of problems in his life. And, but he wasn't. He stayed home and he, and he faced that temptation. But uh, the fall there, his, his sin, I, I think of Absalom and Amnon and Tamar. And uh, I think of David's statement at the end of the book of for second, uh, second Samuel. And when he would go to make that sacrifice after having committed the sin of numbering the people and putting his dependence on his armies rather than God. And the Lord would send that plague and he'd make that sacrifice. And uh, the man would offer him the field for free. And he'd say, I won't offer God that which costs me nothing. And talk about a lesson on, on, on living for the Lord and worshiping for the Lord. We shouldn't offer him that which costs us nothing, but be willing to sacrifice as he has sacrificed for us. I think of lesson after lesson after lesson you can find in these pages. There's lessons on prayer. Hannah, who prayed. Samuel, if you look at Samuel's life, Samuel was a prayer warrior. Even in this passage of Scripture, when he was confronted with Israel making a wrong choice, the first thing he did is he prayed. And you'll find that as he looked to his life, his, his, his quick uh, answer to go to prayer and go before the Lord. Lessons on following a God a little bit. We're going to look at that here in chapter 8 when the people of Israel would choose a king and the, and the wrong way they went about it. Lessons on obedience from the life of Saul. Lessons on faith, David and Goliath. Lessons on friendship. How about Jonathan, that great friend of David? Everybody needs a Jonathan, don't they? Everybody needs a Jonathan, someone to encourage them. But then there was Jonadab. Amnon had a friend. His name was Jonadab. And Jonadab would encourage Amnon to sin rather than encourage him to live right. And talk about some lessons on the right type of friendships we ought to have in our life. Lessons on vengeance. I think of Absalom. Absalom, I, I've often read Absalom's life. I could understand why he was upset. I really could. I could understand his frustration, his anger at his father, and even some of what he did. But, but he made a foolish choice, didn't he? He took it into his own hands. I, I think of David. David, when confronted with Saul, Saul, he never raised his hand up against Saul. He left it in God's court and in God's hand. After opportunity after opportunity, he left it in God's hands. And yet Absalom would do the opposite. He would take things into his own hands. And I, I think of how quickly we are to do that, aren't we? When wronged or offended, how quickly we are to be like Saul and reach for our javelin or like Absalom and try to overthrow rather than trust in the Lord. And there's a lesson in the life of Absalom on on his failure. I think lessons on dependence as David would number the people when God specifically said not to. This book is filled with incredible stories, but incredible lessons to the Christian life as well. 
And what a book it is that God has given to us in these stories. I, I'm thankful for these accounts. They're, uh, we've all heard the statement, every New Testament truth has an Old Testament illustration. Every Old Testament illustration has a New Testament truth. And this book is filled with Old Testament pictures of, of New Testament truths that ought to be lived out in our life. And it's an incredible book. I think of the themes of this. Sam, a prayer is one of the themes. As a matter of fact, 1 Samuel opens with the prayer of a woman. And how God answered the prayer and really how the prayers of that lady shaped the kingdom, didn't it? And uh, without a child, and she rushed off to the Lord to pray. And of course, Eli uh, thought she was drunk. It had been a long time since he'd seen someone crying on the, out to the Lord like that. And, and the Lord would hear a prayer and answer her prayer. The end of 2 Samuel concludes with a prayer. And it's, it's David's prayer, seeking the mercy of God upon his people to stay the hand of uh, that, that plague, that, that angel that was sweeping through. And it's... It's theme of prayer, of kingdom, the change of a government from a theocracy that was under God to a kingdom under a, under a man. And boy, God's frustration at their pace and the way in which they went about it. The prophet, the rise of the office of the prophet who became the messenger of God in the place of a priest. You see that scene coming on here in this book of the beginning of those prophets. Some of the key verses of this book are 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 25 where it says this. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Samuel told them, as a matter of fact, we'll look a little bit at what the manner of the kingdom was here in chapter 8. But, but he warned them. They asked for a, kingdom, a king and his heart was broken. And, but the Lord said, give them what they want. Boy, it's a scary thing sometimes when God says, give them what they want. And uh, sometimes I'm glad God doesn't give us what we ask for, but sometimes he lets us have things that, that we've pushed for and pushed for and pushed for. And that was the case in this passage of Scripture. God said, give them what they want. And, uh, and we'd see that the manner of the kingdom that they would have, and I, I'm thankful for the story of David because the story of Saul wasn't all that great. And, uh, but he gave them what they wanted. But in it all, we also see God's mercy. In 1 Samuel 12, 22, it says, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. God would not forsake them. I'm thankful for God who does not forsake us. He is not, he, I love the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The incredible promise of his Holy Spirit in our life to the believer. And that God said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. The day that we were indwelt by that Holy Spirit of sal- by, at the day of salvation. And he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the mercy and the, at, at, and the, mercy and the grace of God. And we see that unfold in this passage of scripture. And the Lord would even remind them in what we just read. They have been doing this since I called them out. And yet he said he would not forsake them. I'm thankful that I can look back at my life and see that God doesn't forsake, aren't you? Uh, There's been plenty of times in my own life personally when I pushed for something and God gave it to me. And then all of a sudden I realized, you know, maybe I shouldn't have pushed too hard for that one. (laughs) But God doesn't forsake. God doesn't forsake. And we see that in this passage of scripture. We see the Lord The Lord Jesus in this book, as in every book, the Messiah was exalted by God with power. And there's some several scriptures there, but he would be a descendant of David, as you know. The Messiah would be the rock in in those passages of scripture there, typified in the life of David and the life of Jonathan. So many things that you can see Old Testament pictures. I, I love when you read the book of Hebrews and it refers to the law of the Old Testament as a shadow of 
of things to come. It was just a little glimpse, a little portrait, a little shadow of what we would have in the day and age, in, in the day in which we live. That the shadow that the cross cast back into the Old Testament, and we look backward and we see it in 2020 what God did for us. But they had just a little shadow of it, and we see that in some of these portraits here in this book. But I, then we see the outline, and I'm not going to go there. I really want to just go straight to the message, but I'll, I'll let you take note of the outline later. We see mainly the, the more main characters of the book of the Bible. We see Samuel as God's prophet and judge. We see Saul, the man the people would seek. We see David as God's man, and uh, we see uh, in Second Samuel, really, it's pretty much the story of David, the triumphs of David, the trial, the troubles of David, and you can see that, that outline there a little bit. You see Absalom slain and fall in this book. But I want you to notice the rise of the kingdom from this passage of Scripture. And if you would look at that verse 10 with me as, as we finish out here. And it says, and it says, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. Now remember, they had just asked for a king, and God said, Let him have it. And then the Lord made sure Samuel wanted, them, wanted the people to know what they had asked for. And notice again in verse 11, and notice it. It says, And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and he will set them to ear to the ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be his confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers, and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants." And he will take the tenth part of your seed and your vineyards and give them to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and, he will, and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which ye shall have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man into his city. The rise of a kingdom. Here it is. They had finally grown fed up back and forth with, with, with judges and all that was happening. As a matter of fact, it says they were looking for a man to go out and fight our battles. Boy, it's a dangerous thing when you go to get away from the battles that God has allowed in your life. And, uh, but they were looking for an easier life, and they wanted a king like the countries around them. And in this passage of Scripture, he began to warn them of what they would have. In my own Bible, I, I underlined all the times a statement was like this, he will take your sons, and he will take your daughters. He will take your fields and your vineyards. He will take the tenth of your seed. He will take your men's, men's servants. He will take the tenth of your sheep. Over and over again, as he began to describe to them what this king would do, he said, he will take, he will take, he will take, he will take, and he will take. I think, I think this in the Christian life, friend, you choose in your life when you make decisions what, who you give your things to. I, I think of when the Lord would call his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, he would say, uh, he that will lose his life shall gain it. And he would talk about the principle of being willing to lay down your life and pick up your cross and follow the Lord. He said, but I'm going to warn you, he goes, if, if, you're, if you, you can save your life and really lose it, it's a, it's a saved soul and a lost life, isn't it? A saved soul and lost life. I think of this when you, as a Christian, we make decisions in our life as to who we entrust our things to. 
who do we entrust? I think of these fellows who were looking for kings like the world had and all of that. And what they were doing is they were handing over their sons. They were handing over their daughters. They were handing over their possessions to a person. And I think this when it comes to Christian life, I'm not looking to hand over those things this world. I'm looking to hand them over to the Lord. We sang the song just a few minutes ago, when I met the who? The master. I love the verse where it says, you are bought with a what? Price. I'm not my own. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life are meant to be lived, handing our, our life back over to the Lord who has entrusted with us those things to us in the first place. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, to take what he has given to us and entrust him back with it because he is the perfect steward of all those things. In this passage of scripture, rather than leaving those things with the Lord, they chose a king and Samuel would warn them, he's going to take these things from you. I tell you something, Christian, when we hand, when we live for the things of the world, we hand our valuables over to the world. We hand our valuables over to the world. I think of my children. You imagine if, if I'm not careful, I, raising them to live for the things of the world and then recognizing this one day, that's what has them. That's who has them. And it's a brutal master. I get a choice to raise them to live for the Lord and entrusting them over to the Lord, or I raise them to live for the things of the world and I entrust them to the things of the world, and the world is a brutal master. The world is a brutal master. In this passage of Scripture, we see them making that choice. They made a decision to uh, call a king. And I I looked at some of these things, and I, I just think there's some lessons for us in here. And I think the first one is this, that letter A there is to have an upward gaze. Look at what the mistake here in verse 4 and 5. It says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Well, they, they, they were looking in the wrong place, weren't they? Uh, that one, that statement there, it says, make us, Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. If you go back to verse 20, it says that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Uh, you know what they did is they, they, looked, they looked in the wrong direction. They looked to the way it was working out in the world and they got their manners and their methods from the world rather than from the Lord. I think of the call of scripture where it, where it would say, and if ye then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things in the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. He said, put your gaze upon the Lord. Rather than following the commands of God and rather than following those things, they looked around at the world and uh, they looked, how is the world doing it? What, this is the world in which we live. This is the country in which we live. How are these other kings doing it? How are those other nations doing it? Let's see how they're doing it and let's follow that pattern. Rather than saying, what did God say and what, how can we follow God? They looked to what the world did and how the world managed it. And that's where they gained their guidance from. Talk about a dangerous place to be. We're not here to live, but look at base, looking around and say, what's working for the world and how do I do that? We're supposed to look to the word of God and what God said. 
We're supposed to be strangers and pilgrims and pilgrims, just sojourners here as Abraham. And we're just supposed to be following the Lord, recognizing we don't quite fit into this world and following the scriptures and living by faith. And yet we see in this passage of scripture what got the people off base is they started looking to how the world did things rather than how God said it should be done. And it was going to cost them. It was going to cost them. They, they looked at man, as a matter of fact. If you look here at verse, uh, verse a sorry statement of Samuel's sons, and it, it says in verse 2, Now the names of his first, firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. It says, and, they, and, they, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. They looked at the world and said, let's see how the world's doing it. They looked at the leader they currently had and said, we don't want that. And so they made their own judgment call. Daniel, in captivity in Babylon, said these words in Daniel 2, 20 through 21. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the season. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and the secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with them. He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. I, I, I look here and it looks like they put their faith in the world and their faith in a man. Samuel, his sons, they aren't who they should be. So we need a different way of doing it. Not realizing that it was God who gave them Samuel. It was God who had given them Samuel. It was God who had provided a king. It was God that would lead. And what they saw was the world in a man rather than saying, what do you have, Lord? What do you have? It's a dangerous thing, friend. I think we should, to some extent, follow the folks in our life. But as far as they follow Christ, but what got them off track is they saw their leaders weren't what they should have been. And shame on Samuel and shame on his sons. They were also looking to the methods of the world. Not realizing that who they were supposed to be trusting all the way along was the Lord. This is how you said to do it. We're going to follow you. I don't know about those fellows that are leading us, but I know that God's in control and he can set somebody up and he can bring them down. I'm going to trust that God will give us what we need when the time comes. But instead, they took matters into their own hands. They took matters into their own hands based off what they could see and what they felt was right. And how many times we get ourselves in troubles? We look around and we say, this is the way the world is doing it. I'm seeing a failure in these areas that God told me to fall. So it's time for me to take matters into my own hands. And it's never the answer. It's never the answer. And here's a country that a whole country went in the wrong direction because of their, uh, this, this matter of the wrong gaze. They were looking in the wrong direction. They looked to the world's method and they looked to a man's method rather than just simply of saying, okay, Lord, what do you have? What do you have? And I, I think the call of this as a Christian is to keep our gaze on eternity and our gaze on God's word and trusting the Lord. Even when it doesn't look like it's gonna work out. You know, the Bible does say the just shall live by what? Faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. I promise you this, it will, it will, when you're following God, it will not always look like it's going to work out. It will, look, it will at times look like the world's got it right and the people around us are going to fail us. But the real question is, who do you trust?
Who do you trust? And if we're not careful, we're, we're grasping a hold of the things of the world. And what we saw, the people of Israel were about ready to enter into another time of heartache. They're about ready to enter into more heartache. And we push ourselves into heartache when we don't trust the Lord. When we don't trust the Lord. We see that, that they had a, we need to have an upward gaze. Hey, we need to have a patient heart. Verse 6 says this, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. Samuel took it straight to the Lord. They had to wait upon the Lord. You know God's plan was to give the people of Israel a king? In the book of Genesis 40 verse 49 and verse 10, the Lord would give this prophecy through, through Jacob. It says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 19 was instruction for kings. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are about me. God knew that would happen. Thou shalt in any wise set him a king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set a king over thee, that thou, thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives unto himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of his, this law and a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. You know, we know that God had a plan in place one day to give them a king. Ultimately, one day the Lord Jesus Christ himself will rule and reign for a thousand years. But God had a plan, but what happened is here is they got way ahead of God's plan. Way ahead of God's plan. I think of, I think of going back to the very beginning of the book, and there's Hannah, and she longs for a child, and she doesn't have a child, and what does she do? She runs to the Lord, and she prays, and she pours her heart out before the Lord. I think of Abraham, and when God had promised his son, himself a son, and his faith, faith waned, and he went and found Hagar, would have a child with Hagar, taking matters into his own hands. In this passage of scripture, I see a people taking matters into their own hands. They didn't run to the Lord and say, Lord, look at what's going on around us and look at the leaders that we have. Dear God, we need something different. That's not what they did. They didn't run to Samuel and say, Samuel, would you pray for us? Look at who's here. No, they said, just said give us a king and give us a king now. <laughs> It was Samuel who bent the knee and began to pray. I think of the Isaiah 40, 27 through 31, where it says this. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Saul was the people's man. David was God's man. 
David was a man after God's own heart. Saul was everything the people looked for, head and shoulders above them all. And he was all that the world, everything they asked for. And, and it was the people's man. But David was the man after God's own heart. David was the man that God had. But the people didn't wait upon God. The people didn't call upon God. They demanded. And they got away from God. What a danger it is, Christian, when we begin to force our will upon the circumstances, or we try to force God's timing. We try to force God's hand and God's timing on our life because we have grown impatient with God. They grew impatient. And rather than wait upon God and rather than call upon God and rather than seek the face of God, they said, give us a king like the nations around us. Your sons aren't what they should be. Give us a king. And God let them have it. I reminded this friend, keep your gaze upon the Lord and wait on him in prayer. Wait on God. Pray. Spend time in his word. Call upon your God. It's not working out the way. It's time for me to take matters into my own hands. That's what they did and they got Saul. That's what they did. And the call is for us. You know, if we're not careful, we look and say, that's the way the world's going. That's what I've got to do. That's the way we've got to work. We're in this world. That's the way it's got to function. And I see the leaders around me. They're not what they should be. It's time to take matters into my own hands. And rather than wait upon God, call upon God, we do those things and we get our way. But it is not God's way. And we get our Saul. And the call is for the Christian is to keep his gaze upon the Lord. To trust him, to trust in his word, to wait on the Lord in prayer. I would say to you, when, it's, when you're in that place where you're saying it's just not working out, run to the Lord. It is better to be Hannah crying out before the Lord than it is the people to be demanding what they want. It is better to wait on God and spend time with the Lord and watch him. You know, we know that eventually God gave the people David because of his mercy. You wonder, ever wonder how different the story would have been had the people waited upon the Lord. Probably been a lot less like the book of Judges. <laughs> they waited. I, I think of this. There's a, cause to, there's a call to keep our gaze upon the Lord, to have a patient heart, to have a committed mind. Look at verse 7. Through nine, Here's a condemning statement from the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have what? Rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. You know, when you make a decision to get your will over God's will, you're really making a decision over who will be king of your life. They thought they were asking for a king, and what they were saying is, we don't want God. We don't want God. The Lord looks down, and he said, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me. And it is, it, uh, it is us supposed to be saying, Lord, what is your will? I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to look to the will of God. I'm going to keep my gaze upward. I'm going to patiently wait on the Lord. I, I don't want to say, not thy will be done, but my will be done. I want to say, not my will, but thine be done. The people of Israel chose a king that day, and it wasn't God. 
And when we choose our will and we hasten our will, we've just said, God, you're not my master in this matter. You're not my king and you're not my Lord. And if we're not careful, we want a savior without a Lord. We want to have a saved soul, but still be Lord of our own life. Lord of our own time, Lord of our own things, Lord of our own will. And the Lord looked down and he said, they've made their choice. They didn't reject you, Samuel. They rejected me. And I, I would say this, Christian, we ought, to, we ought to have a gaze that is focused upon the Lord and focused on his word, trusting that, not, not looking around at how the world works, not looking around and looking at the failings in the world, but just saying, Lord, what have you said in your word and how do I follow you? I'm going to keep my gaze upward. I'm going to keep my gaze on the Lord. And, and I, as I do that, I, I'm going to wait on the Lord in prayer. I'm going to seek your face and I'm going to keep my heart committed. I, I do not want to come to the place where I'm saying, not thy will be done, but my will be done. And that's what they told their God. Not your will, my will. Not your time, my time. And God says, you've rejected me. And then he would begin to say, this is what you're going to have. They will take your sons. He will take your daughters. He will take your lands. He will take your fields. Take a tenth of everything you have. Verse 18, it says, and ye shall cry. And ye shall cry. And you're going to cry out, but I will not hear thee. You chose the wrong king. And one day you're going to cry out and say, I want my stuff back. But it's too late. I think it's Christian... Don't come to the place where you're saying, I want these things back. But it's way too late. Why? We chose the wrong king. We look to the world and its methods. We look to the failures of things around us and say it just won't work. And rather than trusting God and trusting his word and moving forward, we, rather than waiting on God in prayer, we said, give it to us and give it to us now. And God said, okay, you can have it, but in the process, we gave away some things. And it's high price. You know, I, it is better to entrust the Lord with your things and with your children, with your families, and with that which you love than it is to entrust it to the world. Or, friend, to yourself. Can I tell you, I think of this as a parent. You know who knows better than me? God does. God knows better than me. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. God knows better than me. I'm supposed to be trusting him with my home, with my family, with, with the things in my life. Lord, what do you say in your word? You know better. I don't ever want to say, you can't have Sam, you can't have Audrey, you can't have Titus, you can't have Jacqueline, you can't have Nathaniel. It's not working out there. I need to look to the ways of the world to see what they need. I need to look to the timing of it all to see exactly what is needed. No, friend. I'm supposed to be saying, what have you said, Lord? Don't make the mistake of preparing your children alone for this world and not preparing them to follow the Lord of eternity. We're supposed to be saying, I don't want to hand them off. God is a better king than I will ever be in my life. 
And he is a better Lord than this world ever can be. Whether it comes to my family or whether it comes to my personal life, there's been plenty of times in my personal life when I have gotten ahead of God and regretted it. (laughs) Don't get ahead of God's timing. Follow the Lord. Commit those things to him. I like Joshua 24, 15, when he says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You notice in this passage of scripture, they didn't build any idols. They didn't build a golden calf. They didn't bow down to Baal or Molech. They just said, we want it and we want it now. That's what they said. And it cost them. It cost them. I'm reminded as I looked at this passage of Scripture, the, the, the thing, if, I, I don't want that. And I think if we will have what God has for us on a daily basis, keep your gaze upon the Lord and on His Word. Off of the world. Keep it off of the world. Uh, it may, may sen- make sense to the world, but I promise you this, if it doesn't make sense scripturally, then it shouldn't make sense to you. Does it make scriptural sense? Not does it make worldly sense? Does it follow God? Is it according to his plan or is it according to my plan? Keep your gaze upward. Keep a patient heart calling upon the Lord, spending time in his word. Friend, go be like Hannah at the temple before you're like the people in this passage of scripture. And keep a heart that is committed and a committed mind saying, I have chosen the Lord And I will not cast him away, not by picking up some God, but by just simply demanding my will. God had somebody for him. It was David. We'd see this later and talk about a picture of David and a picture of our Savior who will come, will rule this world one day. But God had someone for him. I I don't know how the story would have unfolded had they waited. It's almost like Peter to me when I think of when the Lord told him in the Garden of Gethsemane, watch and pray with me, lest ye enter into temptation. I wonder how different the story could have been if he had watched and prayed rather than slept. Of course, we know he slept. And as God had said he would, he even denied his Lord three times. I read this passage of scripture and I think, I wonder what the difference in the story would have been had they just waited, trusted God, got their eyes off the world and just waited. What God could have done differently. We'll never know. And obviously... There's no going back on this now, but I can tell you this, Christian, in our own life, keep your gaze on the Lord and on his word. Wait on God with a patient heart for what God has and have a committed mind. I'm not, I am not going to choose something over God by choosing my will over his will. I don't want to reject my God because I'm saying not thy will be done, but mine be done. And that's what happened in this passage of Scripture. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for this book. Story after story, lesson after lesson. What an incredible few books these are in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and many stories that can be applied to our life, whether it's discerning the will of God, whether it's lessons on obedience. I'm thankful for this one tonight. I do not know what specific area you may have had for someone tonight, but I know you had something for me as I studied this passage of Scripture. And I pray that as you have spoken to our heart, Lord, that we would trust you, that we would follow you, that we would wait upon the Lord, that we keep your will above our will and not make the horrible mistake and horrible sin, Lord, of rejecting you by choosing our own way. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me ask you this first question. How many of you know the Lord is your Savior? That's a 
settled fact for you. You could say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. That's your testimony. Would you raise your hand just between you and I, Lord? Say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody here this evening? Say, Preacher, I am unsure. I know it's Wednesday night and I trusted Christ on a Wednesday night. Anybody here say, Preacher, I'm unsure about it, but I want it settled this evening. I'd like to know Christ is my Savior. Is anybody like that? You'd raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. Let me ask you this, Christian. Then how many of you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. Maybe it's a matter of waiting and nobody likes that word, but maybe it's a matter of waiting on God. Maybe it's just, just this matter of spending time in prayer as, as Hannah did rather than rushing as these people did or this matter of keeping your gaze upon the Lord or keeping a committed mind. But you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this evening. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as the pianist begins to play? As, as God has spoken to your heart, the invitation is given. And why don't you just spend a few minutes before the Lord tonight and maybe it is to thank Him for what He's already done in your life. Maybe like those people of Israel, just being thankful that, thankful that there's a God who doesn't forsake I'm thankful there's a God that when we rush ahead and rush into our own way, that God doesn't leave us. Well, we might have to live with some of the marks, but there's a gracious God who may let us go through some difficulties, but he goes through them with us. He never left those people. He might let them have Saul, but he, he still worked in their life anyway. But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord tonight.